This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Kathleen on from Talent Trust. We're going to be talking about it's an employee's market. Here's how to keep them. And I can't wait to get into this topic because Kathleen is not only just going to give us some 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 advice on how to keep our folks, but also she's written a book and I want to get into her book as well. So she's going to have all kinds of nuggets for us. So this is going to be exciting. Kathleen, would you do us a favor, um, the audience a favor, and introduce both yourself and Talent Trust? Yes, of course. Hello, William. Thank you for having me. And it's very exciting to have this chat today. I'm Kathleen Quinvota, CEO and founder of Talent Trust. Talent Trust is a recruiting company and we work with companies throughout the United States to help them attract and keep their people. Um, And I myself began in this industry 30 years ago, William. So I'm that young. Um, I love the work that we do. I love helping companies grow by getting the right people so they can achieve their objectives. So it's, it's really a love affair with the recruiting industry and helping people get it right. What I, what I love about your take just so far is that most recruiters, at least historically, have looked at, you know, the job is sourcing, finding, recruiting, hiring, you know, maybe even potentially into onboarding. And then that's it. They're done. They've got other wrecks to fill. Uh, but you've 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 obviously moved mentally and intellectually over into yeah, you got to do all that stuff. But you also have to figure out a way to engage and retain that talent, or you're just going to be on some type of hamster wheel. So, what are you what are you seeing right now in the marketplace in terms of, you know, how do you keep people? I mean, and and then I go. I know it's not an easy question, you know, like a silver bullet or anything like that. But what what are some of the tactics that you've seen people that have that have been effective so far? Great question, and I'm just going to. Uh, qualify what you just said very um, eloquently. I really believe that retention sets the table for recruiting, much like marketing sets the table for sales. So that is a really important belief system of mine and of the people who work with us, because we don't want our clients to waste their money if people are going to exit stage right. And number two, your second part of your question How do you keep people? (laughs) Well, first, treat them with respect and dignity. Second, listen actively. And what I mean by listen actively is listen and then take action. Whether you agree with them or not, listening and responding quickly to what they're looking for is very valuable. And the most important thing you can do as a leader, as a in your company, whether you're an owner or a leader of a department, is give really authentic recognition when it's due and often. People want to matter, William. 
And we forget in an employer-employee relationship that, you know, they're just, they're really just trying to do a job. They're trying to matter. They're trying to make a difference. And we have to embrace that for them. So one of the things I love about the the way that you've kind of put all that together was kind of not just the listening and actively, but then there's a timeliness to this. Oh, so we, sure. Right. So we can have a town meeting. We can learn some things. But if six months later or nine months later, we're just now getting around to both either doing something or communicating that we're doing something, you know, employees don't. I mean, first of all, I think all of our attention spans are a little bit shorter, <laughs> but, <think> so. <laughs> but also I think our expectations have changed, right? So some of this is, this is, we just expired. We got the little, little X in the corner of everything that we do. It's like, okay, I've gave you feedback. You asked for it. I gave you feedback, you know, TikTok. Yeah. There's a cadence to it. And, you know, right. I, I always, um, so many companies pat themselves on the back because they do annual employee reviews well congratulations i'm glad at least you do that but think of the rate of change william we've had in the last 18 to 20 months i mean is once a year do you remember what you did on september 7th 2020 i don't do you remember how you behaved do you remember the project that you were working on what you did right what you learned from where you needed some improvement so the rate of change is so fast right now we have to adapt to our employees that they are learning daily and they are confused and uncertain and then we are confused and uncertain as leaders and i recommend the cadence for active listening to your internal customers your employees is every 90 days so right there william people are waiting too long to ask what's going on, how are you feeling? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? They're waiting too long. I love that, what are you doing right? Because it, it gets into stay interviews, right? So yeah. uh, exit interviews, I, I, I don't necessarily have a disdain for them. I just don't trust the content uh, as much um, because you're, you're leaving, you know, you're either going to say really hateful stuff, <laughs> which is one direction, burn, burn all the bridges down, or you're just going to give them a bunch of stuff that makes them feel better because you're leaving. So, you know, I right. just don't trust that content, but I love stay interviews. I and, love stay interviews too. But when you think about an exit interview, I totally agree with you. It takes people a lot of courage to leave their current employer. Right. So when they, when they come into your office at four o'clock and say, William, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm giving you my two-week notice. They have emotionally left the building six months prior. 100%. So 100%. Just not, they're just not going to give you the, they have worked up so much courage to right. leave you. They're not, they're going to say it was my manager or it was compensation. So then you have a bunch of employers who think, ah, oh, people are only leaving, leaving because of, you know, bad managers and compensation where those are some reasons, but they're not the only reasons. It's funny. I, well, years ago when I owned an ad agency, we moved to a model when someone gave their notice, mm -hmm. we would just say, you know, first of all, 
tell us why, you know, just break, we give us, we're just going to go in a room and you just, you know, give us everything, tell us what all things we need to work on. And it just stays here. goes no further. And by the way, you can have the two weeks, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Like if we need to, we'll call you or whatever, but you know, it takes two weeks off. Yes. And, and, and because, you know, not only they checked out six months before that, so there's that, but, but also, it's like that two weeks that you have them or three weeks or a week or three days, whatever it ends up being, they're not that productive. <laughs> well, you're so right, William, but it's also awkward. I mean, yeah, it it's, it's just weird, you know, so. It makes it weird for everybody else. It's like, well, Sandy's still here. And do, well, how do we, do we still go to lunch with Sandy? Like what, what do we, you know, are we still friends? Like it just, it's, it's weird and I get it. Like, but at the same time, you can do something really cool, even at that moment, like, hey, listen, you know, first of all, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but we can learn from, you know, where we failed with you. And by the way, we want you to have the time to take, take it off, read a book, go on a vacation, do whatever you need to do, get you right for your, for your next great opportunity. And uh, you'll be friends with all the people you want to be friends with. You know, like, yeah. like we can turn that into a moment that's actually pretty cool. Exactly. But we're hurt, you know, like that, like no one's dealing with the emotional, like when someone says that they're leaving, we've historically looked at that as like, they're leaving the village. Yeah. They're, they're no longer a part mm -hmm. of the village. <laughs> well, I, 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 when I speak to um, audiences, you know, I talk about building pipelines for hiring people and, um, I am a fan of boomerangs, which are people who come back to you and having gone somewhere mm -hmm. else. But so many hiring managers and business leaders treat them like, hey, if you quit me, you're dead to me. Dead. Never. Dead. Dead. <laughs> dead to me. But you're, you're so right because business, employer-employee relationships are based upon relationships. These, it's emotional to have a relationship with another human, whether it be in business or personal. You know, and if you broke up with a human in your personal life, you wouldn't say, but hang around for two weeks. Right. <laughs> like, right. So, so we get kind of awkward in business relationships. We think there's a whole other set of rules. But if you remember there's humans involved and behave as you would with another human, you're probably going to get it right more times than not. How do you, you know, the, the easy converts are the people that listen to you and they're like, they're just shaking their head. Like, yes, 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 yes. We should treat people like humans. We should listen. We should do stuff. What do you do with, when you run into folks as, as you know, as you do that either don't get it or they, they, they don't see it as a priority. They don't want to put a sense of urgency around it. Like how do you convert them or how do you kind of move them over to where you are? Well, I learned from uh, in my speaking career early that I'm not in the convincing business. Um, what I'm trying to do is help people understand best practices, and then they have to adapt it the way it fits their company, their culture. But I will tell you, I notice sometimes with business leaders that they get uncomfortable. And when they get uncomfortable, they get mad. Right. And when they get mad, I know I've hit a nerve. <laughs> so, so, you know, Rome was not built in a day and we come from a employer employee um, 
kind of historic place where we don't tell each other the truth. Right. You know, we create boundaries and you shouldn't talk to him that way or don't do that with her. There's all these unwritten rules. So what I what my work with, you know, with companies is to try to really debunk all of that learning. And it's going to take some time because people who run companies tend to be in their, you know, older decades at this right. point. And the people who are working from them are in their younger decades. And the generations are trying to figure out how to do it together. And there's this, there's this friction I see um, where, hey, I pay you. Shouldn't you be happy? Where the audience we're trying to hire rightfully wants more than just compensation. They want a community that has meaning and really understands what they're trying to achieve. And not all leaders um, can lead that way. It's funny. Uh, well, not funny, but uh, I love the way you kind of bring people. I'm not in the convincing business. I'm, I think I might use that later on today uh, or, or at least this week. Unless you have it trademarked. I don't want to break no. you. I don't want to infringe on anything. No infringement. Go ahead. Okay. Um, but, you know, one of the things I've done with leaders is I, I feel exactly the same way. I'm not in a convincing business. I've never said it that way, but I, I, I phrase things with what I see successful companies doing. Yes. So I, I don't make it personal. I kind of, kind of like get out of the depersonalize the experience for them. Like you're doing this right or wrong or whatever. Okay. And just go, you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing this. And mm -hmm. this is what's really, really interesting on like the retention. Take that as a, for example, you know, we, we, we've come from a world in the personnel department, the HR department, where we thought in months and years, and and now we have to think of seconds and minutes and hours, days. We have to, the, 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 the velocity has changed on us. And so something as simple as feedback, these successful companies that I'm witnessing, they're engaging with people at a higher frequency. Yes. And like, like so, so I make it about this mythical success. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be mythical. I mean, we can point to successful companies that do this, but I make it about a myth, 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 mythical company that's doing this so that it doesn't make them feel bad for not doing it or doing it. Totally agree. Yeah. I think we're all stumbling around right. um, the new way we work. And as long as we're listening, as long as we're asking questions and we're open to what's next, we're all going to be better off. So odd question. Yes. What's the responsibility of the employee, if any, for retention? Oh, huge. I believe we're all in the boat together. <laughs> it's not us versus them. Right. We are all, when you, when you create a community, everybody is part of the community. So when you think of schools, churches, synagogues, those are, you know, neighborhoods. Everybody is responsible to create that community same way with the company but we've we've um over years gotten into this hierarchical structure with companies that i make the rules and you follow them where yeah. we need to shift i recommend people to shift into gathering information from their internal customers their employees 
about what kind of community do we want to create here um, together? And it's okay if we're all not on the same page because some may come in for a little bit and stop on their journey and then they might leave, you know? So, so it's an inclusive build versus a, I tell you and you adapt. So what part, first of all, thanks for that. The, I feel the exact same way. Um, and, um, but what part of this from an employee perspective kind of do you feel like just giving them some advice around communicating, you know, their needs or expectations or, or you know, whatever desires, uh, what, what they want out of the job, et cetera, or learning and development? Like, what should they do? Because I love the way you said, you know, what kind of community do we want to build? And then that then has a bunch of uh, obviously things that, that come from that. But what what advice would you give employees say, listen, if you're not already doing these things, pick these things up and talk to your manager and, and talk to your peers about these things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So be true to thyself um, and know what you want to do or expl- and be open to the possibilities. Um, employees need to be honest. If they're not happy, I promise you, you're not trapped in the job. I see it often, William, and I don't know if you've seen it over your career, that sometimes employees feel like they're trapped. Yeah. But guess what? You're in the driver's seat right now. You have a lot of choice out there, but it does, t- it does take courage to decide, to investigate what can I do with my current company? Can I grow here? Can I learn here? Can I expand here? Do I like the work that we're doing? Does it bring me joy enough to stay? Have that active conversation with a mentor, manager, who could be the same person or different people. And if it's not, then put a plan together to exit with grace and dignity. So you can go toward your future. I, I get calls all the time, and many of your listeners in recruitment do, hey, I'm looking for a job, or I don't know how to start, or where do I do here? First step is know what you want, have active discussion about it, tell people what you need. Me, leaders aren't mind readers. They don't know what you need unless you tell them. So a uh, quick question as a follow-up, bad managers, you know, what, what do you see with the relationship between retention and bad managers today versus maybe, you know, a decade ago? Like what, what do you see? And, and again, what, whose responsibility for a bad manager? Is, is it the employee's responsibility to kind of, you know, talk about the bad manager or go above their head? Is it the company's responsibility to kind of find them and be more transparent about who is and isn't a bad manager? Like, what do you see in the interesting world of, you know, the crisscross between retention of talent and bad managers? So two things on that. I think it's a two-way street. Uh, Mm -hmm. I really do think it's a two-way street. One, the company has a responsibility to listen to their internal customers, their employees. And if you listen actively enough and often enough, every 90 days, you're going to know what department leaders need help or who are succeeding. Because sometimes sometimes our leaders need help and training that we're not giving them. 
I see often, William, that people do not invest enough in leadership development. We just assume because somebody right. is a good producer that they're going to be able to lead and leadership is a whole different skill. So that's one way. So the company has responsibility to listen and ferret out where leaders need development or be moved to a loan producer role because they can't lead. Number two, the other side of the coin or the other side of the street, I'll stay with one analogy at a time, um, <laughs> is if an employee is not getting what they need, I do believe it is that employee's responsibility to first work with their direct manager, give them one or two tries to listen. If they don't listen, then and, and, you know, get help from another leader or the leader's manager, because it is your journey. Got to ask you about your book. So yeah. tell us about your book. Like, you know, first of all, why, what, what led you to write the book, what the book's about, and, uh, and, and again, some of the things that you learned while you were writing the book. Well, this is my second book, William. My first book was Solve the People Puzzle, but this particular book that's going to be uh, available on September 14th, um, it's available for pre-order now, it's called Dare to Care in the Workplace, A Guide to the New Way We Work. And this really was a labor of love for me, William, because I, I work with companies throughout the U.S. all the time, and I see so many struggles with communication and relationship building within the workplace that I wanted to help people have more intimate discussions that would lead to better success, not only for the companies, but for the employees too. Because when people, when your employees are happy, then your customers are happy. So um, part, it's, a, it's a quick book. It's a, they call it a hook book or micro book. And it's building trust because when you have trust within a organization and with another person, you can do great things together. So being transparent, building trust, then focusing on the employee experience, because guess what? When the employee has a great experience, the customer does too. Um, then empathy. I'm a big fan of empathy, putting yourself into other people's points of view without judgment. Uh, again, there's been a lot of judgment lately, and that I really don't think that's necessary. <laughs> so I'd like us to stop judging each other and listen with some empathy. We don't know what people are going through. People are really solidary creatures. We don't know what another person is experiencing, so don't assume you do. Um, listen with real empathy, and that's hard for a lot of leaders. Right. And then finally, you know, I focus it, on I, uh, just. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but what's interesting yeah. about that is I think it's tough for a lot of leaders because they don't want to cross some of those unwritten rules of being personal. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I don't want to ask you about your family because you know, then, then you know, it might seem too, too personal. I think COVID's kind of, it's. Uh, it's broken a lot of that stuff, which is nice. Uh, silver lining out of all, all of that stuff is, you know, you get to see people's cats in the background and, you know, kids running and running, running around, interrupting calls and stuff like that. Like that's, so I think it's helped us. And I think it's actually helped a lot of managers that might've had that reluctance mm -hmm. before 
yes. to then to then be able to then kind of cross over and go, how are you doing? How's everything going? Exactly. We're, you know, when you hire a person, it's not just to do a job. You hire the whole human and their family. That's right. I mean, you, it's, it's never just them because they have lots of people and, and you're affecting their whole life. So I do think I was just on a, on a call earlier, a training call earlier, and one silver lining, and there's many silver linings to what we've just been through, is that we are invited into each other's homes and we can actually experience each other as whole humans. Because at the end of the day, I do not, you know, I choose to work for you because I want to have a great life. Right. Hey, my, my, my life, again, taking a job, but not, can, not always the skills and competencies and be, being successful. I, w- I want my life to be better yeah. at, the, at the end of the day. Hey, well, Kathleen, this has been absolutely wonderful. I love both. I just love your outlook and the way that, you know, the way we started the conversation where you, you, you attached, you know, a talent attraction to talent retention and, and flipped it and said, you know, if you retain people and do that well, talent attraction doesn't necessarily get easier. However, uh, it becomes a more enjoyable experience. And, and you even said, even, you know, in the last, in the last question, you talked about the employee experience. If we focus on creating a wonderful customer employee experience and we fulfill on that and we just kind of keep bidding better, like it's not one and done, you know, just create the employee experience. Go, okay, done. You know, it's, so, <laughs> I created it. It's not a check the box. It is not a check the box. It is a ongoing every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. If, if if done correctly, it's it, it's not it's those things and highly personalized to the individual. So I, I just I love your outlook. Thank you so much for coming on the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was really a lot of fun, William. Have a great day. You too. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com. 